made them, handmade them before they even knew there were towels being requested. I think that's kind of cool. That's how God works with us. Like before we even have requests, His heart's already moving toward us. And that's just such a beautiful facet of God. And, and in a little while, I mean, for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about the Word. And I think there's going to be response as well. Some of it's going to be extremely personal with you and the Lord. And some of you are going to want to make a very public decision for Christ today. And it's been a while. You've been wrestling with whether to become a part of this body or whether, more importantly, to become a part of this body is to come to the cross and to meet Jesus and, and to, to embrace Him as Savior. Some of you have been wrestling for a while with this, this grievous thing between you and God. And today's just going to be a day of freedom. And so um, I'm just expecting in about, I'll probably talk no more than five or ten minutes. And so in, in about five or ten minutes, we're going to have a chance to sing a song again. It may be a little longer. Um, but we're going to have a chance to sing a song again, and you're just going to have a, have a response. Um, I still need some help, though, with some people who will respond. I'm writing Mike and Bonnie and Ryan Rouse and Stacy, who were there as well, and they threw out, like, a needs up to this morning. And so um, they, they said Mitch would meet this need, and I don't see Mitch today. Um, so uh, I, need, I need somebody that's musical to give me a capo by 6 o'clock tonight for Mike Snyder. Mitch's son has got it. So... Um, I need also some of you like Brent, some of you guys in your class really know them well and you know what snacks they don't get over there that I can pack in my bag. And so I will commit half of my bag to fun stuff if you guys want to get that to me. I can't, I, I will pack that. <laughs> he said they're looking for a comfortable couch and so that's going, I'll put that in the uh, overhead. we got that. And so um, if you guys have some like candies they like or just some notes, just, we'll be, I'll be here at 6 o'clock tonight in the chapel. And so if you guys want me to put some stuff in for them, we just, what I want to do is go as an ambassador for Mandarin Baptist in a lot of ways for the gospel of Jesus Christ to the children, but also for Mike and Bonnie Snyder who are part of our fellowship. And so if you want to communicate to them in any way, just bring it by here by 6 o'clock tonight and bring it by the chapel. And I'll be with Ryan's ship all night in the wonderful meetings that we have planned. For parents. And so um, Colossians 1 is amazing. Speaking of Ryan Ship, great sermon last week. I love having the web and being able to click on the web and follow it. Um, I couldn't, I, wow, Ryan, how about that? So um, I don't, were y'all saying you love the web too or that Ryan, <laughs> okay. So um, I, I, I actually couldn't get a web presence on Sunday morning, so I didn't get to watch it. And so Tuesday evening, I sat down and threw on headphones and the kids are watching Good Luck Charlie, and I'm loving um, just hanging out. And here, he started asking questions at the end, and I was undone. I mean, I'm sitting on vacation, and I like being undone on vacation, just saying, God, what do you want? It's such a great time, as Todd's already said, just to peel back and sit before God and say, Lord, I, I, there's more of you, and I want you to have more of me. What's that look like? And so Brian starts asking these crazy questions like um, I wrote them down. So he started asking, like, what would happen? Here we go to Haiti tomorrow. What would happen if every kid in the orphanage was sponsored by, you know, people in this church? A lot of you heard that and thought, I don't have $50 a month. No, but you probably got four other friends and the five of y'all have 10 bucks a month. I mean, what would happen if we really partnered up and started saying, every kid has a partnership from here? And I started thinking, wow, that would be so amazing because as you go over there with your next team, when you, when you venture, you will get to meet your Fritzon, who I'm getting to meet tomorrow. You know, you'll get to meet that kid that you look at on your refrigerator every single day of the year and who you pray for. And so, I mean, I mean he asked that and I thought, wow. And then he, I, the one that really messed me up because I've had 
great personal relationship with this church is he said, or, or what would happen if there was no more foster care in Jacksonville? And I know you did like me because I listened to that and I went, no, nah, it's just not possible. Except that I've lived in greater Birmingham. And I have developed a moderate friendship with David Platt and a good friendship with the guy who coordinates what they, coordinates what they have going on. And they literally in a city exactly our size. And, and not a huge church. I mean, they're about three times our size, but they're not a huge church. In a city exactly our size, give or take a million people, they've eliminated the foster system. It's so cool. I was listening to Ryan challenge our church there, and I thought, how amazing that, that the church would be the father to the fatherless. You know, I mean, how amazing would that be that we would just say, this is, this is, we read Ephesians 1, Lord, and you've adopted us into your kingdom and the most beautiful picture maybe that we can flesh out on earth outside of what, what we look at in Ephesians 5 and marriage and the wife and husband relationship. God, you say in, in Ephesians 1 that adoption will be a display of the gospel. Wow. And so I, I listen to that. Some of you listen and I don't, I don't know what to do with this. I, I love that when he said, um, what about this? Every ministry in this city, so we just get off of kids because some of you are going, they're not doing kids anymore, but you can sponsor. But what if every ministry in this city started saying, we're so glad Mandarin meets. I mean, what if Dignity You Wear just started saying, our clothes are folded and out the door because this church meets. And because they meet, they actually believe that core value about serving. Or, or what if World Relief actually just said, we don't have cook issues because that church down in Mandarin and they're partnering with all these other, the church, the, this big movement of Jesus in the city of Jacksonville. I mean, it's amazing. Mike's just started a new venture with, I don't know the name. I should learn the name of your nonprofit. And what if your nonprofit just said, we're so glad Mandarin meets and the name of it is Volunteers in Medicine. And if you're in the medical field, you just met a friend. So, I, mean, just, I mean, how awesome would this be? He's asking these questions, and it's questions that if we're going to say we exist to lead people, to transform living, we believe that as we worship, we'll make, like, share life with redemptive community, and in that community, through us, the city and the nations will be served. So, I mean, he ends the sermon, and I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting in a chair going, God, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, and, and then he starts asking, like, what if... Every one of us in this room could identify our gifts. I'm sorry to re-preach it. I just thought he did a good job. I mean, what if out of our love relationship, which he quoted Matthew 22, 37, 38, what if because we love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength, what if every one of us are finding our gifts mobilized for the sake of the kingdom? I mean, this is the part. I don't think he said this because this is where my heart ran. And so, and so, this and this, this. What if... Every preschooler, child, and student in Mandarin were taught by people, not just who led them or filled a spot, but taught by missional, passionate, gospel-centered, Christ-glorifying, radical, wild-eyed followers of Jesus. Come on, that's us, by the way, because all the kids are out of the room right now, except students are still in here. That's us. What if we realize that the greatest gift and the way to eradicate this 8 out of 10 kids walk out of the church, maybe they won't walk out when wide-eyed followers of Jesus who show them what the next generations look like pour their lives out into them. What if that happens? 
This was amen time for me with Ryan. I was with him. I was agreeing with him. And I was begging the Lord to raise us up and to say, God, what would happen if I saw that I was going in to steward a group of six-year-olds who will revolutionize the world in 10 to 12 years or less? What if I were going in to teach those six-year-olds the gravity of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when they hit sixth grade and ninth grade and college, they were crystal clear, not just because of what I taught them, but the gospel lived through me. Because I love God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. And therefore, as the byproduct of that, I love our neighbors. And I am teaching them what it looks like. And I mean, what, what, if, what if our students aren't hearing just stories from the Bible, but they were hearing story after story, not just from the Scripture, but from the Scriptures that were lived out through the teachers who were saying, look, I can't believe what God did through me this week. Be, it would be magnanimous. It would be, there would be hope of glory going on. It would be incredible. And I want you to be a little bit as excited as I am right now. And so um, I, I love this. Uh, I love this statement. Um, I, this is clearly not my statement. There's a guy named Jim Elliott that played a major role in my life, even though he was dead. He and his wife, Elizabeth, lived out such passion for Christ. When my wife and I were dating, if some of you are in our era, you may have been a part of this as well. We read Passion for Purity together as we were dating and we understood their, their obsession with purity before God and what that meant and how their lives were literally given for the sake of God. And Jim Elliott, Jim Elliott was a guy, if you don't know him, he was a missionary to the Aka Indians, and he was over there a very short period of time, and they, were, they, were, they gave their lives, literally, for the sake of the gospel, to be followed up by, and this is so powerful, I didn't plan to tell this part of the story, to be followed up by his wife after he is martyred on the mission field to the Aka Indians, Elizabeth, takes the team in who ultimately wins the, almost the entirety of the nation of the Auk Indians to Christ. Here's, here's his sentence. There's a sentence that's captured my heart. I put it in your notes. He said these words, He is no fool who will give up what he cannot keep for that which he will never lose. This is one of my favorite sentences of all time. As we talk about this idea of Christ in us, the hope of glory, what it means to make the path of the Word of God straight, all of these questions Ryan asked, I know he peeled them out of Matthew 22. I'll peel them out of Colossians 1. When Paul says in Colossians 1 around verse 15, he says, all I want to do is make the word of Christ clear. And if we're going to make the word of Christ clear and the gospel of Christ clear and the, and the cross of Jesus Christ clear, then it's going to require us to ask questions like, what about the ministries? What about the orphan? What about the children in this church? What about foster? What about my gifts? What about the kingdom, Lord? Because I've been put on this planet to make the word of Christ clear. And I am no fool who will give up what I cannot keep for that which I'll never lose. And so I want to spend my life, spend my energies making the word of Christ clear. I think of, I think of John the Baptist when he said, all I want to do is make straight the path of the Lord. I just, I just want to make straight the path. And, it's, and here's John the Baptist. You're looking for someone great. And let me tell you, I'm not the great one. And if we can nail that into our lives, that would be the greatest revival in this church. The story of the kingdom of God is not about me. I am making straight the path. All I do is keep making that path straight so you see him. Path straight, see him. Path straight, see him. That's all my life is about is the word of Christ is clear. Thank you. I'm hoping that it comes into our hearts. And so just to be able to say, hey, Lord, 
How do we do this? How do we let the word of Christ dwell in us so richly? And I think, I think Paul in some ways answers this, and in some ways he leaves us a little bit of a mystery. Because in Colossians 1, 26 and 27, he says, look, look, I'm, I'm going to lay out some amazing truths for you. Going back to verse 25. Yeah, I missed the verse a little while ago, so forgive me. I want to make the word of God fully known. That's such a powerful thought. In fact, I like to pray scripture. If I was stopping right now and reading this, I would say, Holy God, how might you use my life to make the word of God fully known? Not, not, not partial, not halfway. God, you're asking me to step in and allow your word of Christ to dwell in me and then to make your word fully known. And then he says, there's just like a little, you know, whatever that dot is called here. I'm, I'm in Colossians, Philippians, there we go. I lost my place. And, and then he says, so here it is, here it is. To fully know the word is the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now it's revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of this glory, which is this mystery. Here it is. It is Christ in you. It's not just that. That is the sole hope of glory. And so if I'm going to make the word of Christ fully known, if I'm going to say, God, we're going to, we're going to show this word clearly to those around us, then I'm going to have this mystery that is being revealed, that has been hidden. That I, I love this part. I love this part because really it goes right with your sermon. It was, it was so great because the religious people came up to Jesus and I was just lingering on this thought that you had because they wanted to dumbfound him or to trick him because of all the laws they had put in place. And they started asking him, what would be the greatest thing you would be about? And I, and I love this. Jesus just kind of, they step in and their goal, their goal is not to know God. Their goal is their comfort. Their God is their stomachs. Their passion is what they're comfortable with. And they're coming to the Lord and saying, can I trick you up? Because here's what you seem to be doing, Jesus. You seem to be creating a little revolution among this this nice religion that we have going. And we don't like that. And so we want to trip you up. And this is an interesting verse. This has been a life verse of mine for at least 15 years now, maybe longer than that. And and I'm reading it. And I told my wife, I love the word of God because I don't know that I've even caught this. It's like Jesus stepped in. Paul stepped in to the church at Colossae and said, here's the revolution. Here's where it's happening. It is Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. That's what I've gotten excited about. But then he says, you know where the revolution is really stirring up, though? It's going on among the Gentiles. I mean, it is going on in the middle of the Gentiles. There is a revival of this reality. Among the Gentiles, there are wonders because they are so attuned to the things of God. Among the Gentiles, there are signs because they are passionate for the things of God. As you read through some of the New Testament scriptures among the Gentiles, they are speaking and the word of God is moving in spirit and in power because they're not coming inhibited by all their religious dogma. They are coming in fully free and they are letting Christ run free in them and they are loving this and there is revolution going on. See, I think, I think a lot of times we're just like in this, there's this risk of religion to be able to say, God, 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 we know you're holy, we know you're grand, and then we always start, but we like what we're doing, we like what we're about, and to know that God is holy, to know that he is grand, to know that he is beautiful, to know that he is God, to know that he is sovereign, to know that he is king, is to say, God, you're probably, if all those are true, there are going to be some things happening among us 
that can't be explained by us. And when that's going on, we tend to get a little icky and get a little scary. And you're probably still sitting here going, so where's he going to go with this? I mean, they're raising the dead in the New Testament. And it's not just Jesus, it's the New Testament church. They are healing, they are speaking, there is power. And I'm just wondering if Paul is saying this, that our call is to make the word of Christ clear. And then he says, so here's how you do that. You just do it this way. You roll with this truth that there is this glorious mystery. It is a rich mystery and it is Christ. And it is Christ in you. And Christ being free in you to live for the sake of his glory. Not your own. Not your own comfort. Not what you want to be about. I just, I just put some notes. I just think he has this unveiling for them. And it was powerful. Um, I know that some of you have been studying the tabernacles for the last weeks. I don't know when that study ended. Um, I don't want to go into great detail about the tabernacle. But I love this idea that basically what Paul is doing is what Jesus has already done. He is tearing the veil. And he's saying, look, this mystery, I'm unveiling this deal to you. And I'm saying to you, there's freedom in this. There's power in this. There is, there is absolute passion in this. And I want you to see this. I want you to know that what's going on. And see, in, in, the, in the temple, if you study this temple, you know that there are courts and layers. And I mean, I could go into detail right now. Let's save that for when we're walking through one of the Gospels. There are courts and there are layers and there are different places where different people can go. Some are shut out and completely on the outside. And then, and then I have this one little tidbit, if you'll let me share this today. It's one of my favorite parts of all of this whole deal, is, is um, the once a year when the actual priest can go into the holiest of holies. It's such a powerful moment when they're going to the holy of holies. But there's a little funny part to me. I find weird humor in the scripture, but this actually isn't in the scripture. This is in the practice. What, what they would actually do is the holy of holies when they would go in and sacrifice on the, for the sake of the people in their yearly sacrifice, they would actually tie a rope around him and they would hang bells all over them. And some of you know this story. They would hang bells so that when they're walking about, you can know they're still alive. They've made it in the holy of holies. They're still, they're still, you know, you hear the bells tinking, Tinkerbell. Do you hear that going on? This is all good. He's still living. And and I've I've always thought about this, like, who was the first one to walk into this holy of holies, unprepared and drop dead? And and I've always wondered that. But then I thought, who went in and got him? And that's where my weird mind goes to. I like, what was, I mean, the first guy was like, tie a rope on me, dude. I'm going in, you know, I'm going to get him and bring him out. But there's this holy of holies there's this holy veneer and when jesus cried out it is finished from the cross when he spoke prophecy before the cross and said i will take this down in three days what he was saying was this that from top to bottom there is an openness here there is a freedom here there is an unveiling here there is a come one come all come all ye who desire to be saved come to the cross of jesus christ and i invite you in for you have sectioned it off i am ripping it from top to bottom come in there is neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. All are welcome in the middle of the cross. Praise God. That's, that's what his point is. I'm unveiling this. I am telling you that in this holy of holies, there is a freedom and a desire for all who will come to come and taste and drink deeply of the goodness of God. And that means the church's role is to be free, to understand that the veil has been torn, And for us to stand in the middle of that and say, God, how do we speak this freedom? What would that look like? I don't have an answer today. And I don't have an easy tie this bow up on this point. 
I don't have an easy, this, this is what we should do. I mean, what would it look like for us to be a people who are utterly and absolutely free in Christ? Now, I'm not talking about weird forms of worship. I'm talking about what would it look like to share life with freedom? I mean, there, I, my mind sorry. I mean, there would be no posturing. There would be no who's important. There would be no, I mean, it would just be a, a beautiful community serving one another. You know, you just look around and go, God, you would, you would think, how can I give my life away to you for the sake of Christ? Not just for the lost. Because the lost will know him by the love we have for one another, right? I mean, it would be literally giving our lives away in this room for one another. And what would it look like for us to do that? I, I just, I, I jotted some thoughts to myself. I just put, um, it would be messy. The, the religious, and I just, I mean, you, sh- you have to know this because it's exploding among the Gentiles because the religious attempted to trip Jesus up. The religious will hate this. I think Dave Tarkington wrote a note on social network this morning. The gospel is always offensive. The gospel, I would add to that, is particularly offensive to the, ri- to the religious because we like our circles. And we love our veils. And we really like to keep people out. And Jesus is saying, no. And this, this will be messy and beautiful. And we will invite any who come to come to the feast of the Lamb. And it, it'll be messy and beautiful and glorious. And we'll, we'll, we'll just all bask and we'll, we'll all be people. I, I shared it in our little logo thing that's more than a little logo. We will be all a people who are bragging a lot about the cross. We'll be a people who are just, we live there, you know. We live there. We love the cross. And we're just, we're just going, God, thank you for the cross Last time I stumbled, thank you for the cross. When I'm walking in your strength, thank you for the cross. When I am able to live out your name, thank you for the cross. And we would be a whole bunch of cross bearers in this room, just walking around going, we are denying ourselves, we're taking up our cross, and we're giving chase to you, Lord. And that's been unveiled to us, and we love it. And I love what Paul says next, and I'll, I'll just stop with this thought, and, and I just want to unpack it for a minute. He says, this cross, this redemptive work, This power of Jesus, it is rich. There are the riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is a wealth, an abounding wealth in this. I mean, get this. He is no fool who will give up that which he cannot keep for that which he'll never lose. And there is a wealth for us to invest our lives in the kingdom of God and say, God, you know what? This is what we want to be about. We want to invest ourselves in the cross. We want to be about the cross. I mean, Jesus... Jesus looked at his disciples, he would look at us, and he said, the, the, in my mind, the craziest things. I mean, he looked at them and he said to them, after he's been with them, he's walked with them, they've experienced him, they've done it with, with skin, I mean, they've literally walked together. They've watched him, not just once, but twice, take leftovers or take this beautiful faith-based meal and break it off and feed thousands. They've watched this. I mean, they've watched Jesus spit into mud, put it on a guy's eyes, tell him to go wash it off and watch the blind sea. How cool is that? I love his creativity. You know, he's just, let's watch this. And I just, I love that moment. They've watched moments like that. They've watched him raise the dead and raise the dead and raise the dead. 
and raise the dead. They've watched this and they're just amazed. They've watched him feed the poor. They've watched him care for the hungry. They've watched him heal. They've watched him cleanse the leper. They've watched him care for the hurting and they have watched him love children. They've watched him. And then he, and he gets ready to part and he says this word that I think is bizarre and crazy. He says, in the middle of all that you experienced, here's the, here's the secret, here's the reveal. It will be better for you when I leave. He's speaking to us both in Colossians and in Jesus' words, it will be rich for you when I leave. There will be an abounding wealth. And, 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 and blessed are those who walk in this richness who don't see. Because by faith, they will tap into who I am going to leave, which is going to be the helper. And the helper is going to live in you. And the helper is going to be full of me. And the helper is going to make much of me. And it's going to be this amazing adventure. And it is going to be rich. It is going to be abounding and not, and, and a lot of you hear that word and you immediately go, rich like the standards of this world. No, rich in the kingdom of God, rich in the economy of heaven, rich in things that matter because he's no fool who will give up on this earth that which he cannot keep for that which he will never lose. And it's going to be abounding when we are in Christ. And he is saying, it will be better for you when I leave. And I think they're scratching their head like you are going, seriously? Yeah, it's a mystery. Paul's going to write about it in a few years to the church at Colossians. It will be revealed. It's going to explode among the Gentiles, and it can step into your life. I mean, it's, it's going to be truths like this, that you have been adopted by Jesus Christ. Praise God. Are you kidding me? That is the riches that I get in him, that you are. Get this, get this, get this. If you, if you don't understand the riches of this, you are a joint heir with Jesus. If you want to be a, equal with that, you are a co-heir with Jesus. Okay, there's an amen right there in your heart at least. You are a joint heir with the king of glory who spoke everything into being and somehow you will, to go with another truth, you will be seated on the throne with him. And I love this so we can run with the idea of riches. It's, it's actually a exact verse from Ephesians 2. You, you are seated with him so that in the coming age he might show you the incomparable riches of his grace and sufficiency. That's, that's who you are. That's what you and I have going on. If we want to go with what he's already taught in the earlier part of Colossians, you've been redeemed by God. You have been forgiven by God. You have a peace with God. That's what you have in Christ. And this is good news. This is the revelation of the mystery that he is just showing to you. And he, I mean, here's other, he, you're marked in him. You are forgiven by Him. You are seated with Him. Your purpose with Him. Here's some great news for you. You're already raised up with Him. So while your body is wasting away, even on this planet, it is making, it's becoming stronger and stronger in the kingdom of God and the economy of God. Praise God for that. I mean, you are purposed for His glory. And so then out of that, we start asking questions like, so what does this mean, God? How do we live for your glory? How do we, a people who are passionate for you, how do we live with this? And, and, and I, I don't have all the easy answers. I know this. I know this truth. That he is no fool who will give what he cannot keep for that which he'll never lose. He is no fool who will say, God, this is what I want to be about. I want to understand what it means to be bought, adopted, cleansed, free, whole, complete, completely yours. And God, this mystery Please unveil it in my life. Please tear these 
tear the veil from top to bottom so that I can see you for who you are, see others for who they are, see the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, understand the gravity of the cross, and I can wrestle with this truth. Jesus actually looks at you and me right now in this moment and says, it is great news that I stepped off of this planet and went and seated at the right hand of the Father because I am redeeming you. You have a helper. You have the Spirit of God in you. Live fully in the Spirit and leverage your life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he is no fool who will give what he cannot keep for that which he will never lose. I pray that we are a room full of wise people for he is no fool who will gladly and joyously give away what he can't hold on to for that which he will never lose in Christ. Praise you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your truth and your word. Thank you for your spirit in us. Thank you for the freedom of the gospel. Thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you for the hope of salvation. Thank you for the redemption of man. Thank you for my redemption. Praise you for what you have done in this room and praise you for what you will do now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will stir among us in such a powerful way that we cannot think of anything so foolish as to live for the temporal pleasures of this world. God, I pray that you will raise up a room full of wise people with one pure, holy passion. It's in Jesus' name that I pray we hold fast, and for which we worship now. Amen. Hey, I said just a few minutes ago, we're going to respond today. You already have, but Ryan is coming. Dr. Davis is coming. Um, God has maybe prompted some of you to make a public confession of him, whether that be your faith or joining with this fellowship. I invite you to do that as we stand, as we sing. Some of you simply need